How do you keep your team motivated when the work never ends? Welcome to Leading Generous Teams, a podcast dedicated to making leadership easier. We bring you insights from leaders who are having an impact, even when resources are stretched, resilience is constantly tested, and the social issues and opportunities are never ending. I'm your host, Claire Dezira from the Top 5 Movement. We're a team of award-winning coaches with a vision to support generous leaders to have a bigger impact. Our expertise lies in the practical application of neuroscience for sustainable behaviour change in the workplace. And we're so glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of Leading Generous Teams. Today, our guest is the incredible Dr. Cassandra Goldie. Cass is the CEO of ACOS, the Australian Council of Social Service and an adjunct professor with the University of New South Wales, Sydney. Cass is also the co-chair of the Poverty and Inequality Partnership between these two organisations. With public policy expertise in economic, social and environmental issues, civil society, social justice and human rights, Cass has represented the interests of people who are disadvantaged at major national and international levels, as well as in grassroots communities. Prior to joining ACOS, Cassandra held roles in both not-for-profit and public sectors, including with the Australian Human Rights Commission, Darwin Community Legal Service and Legal Aid. Cassandra has a PhD from the University of New South Wales, Sydney, and a Master's of Law from the University College, London. She's a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and serves on the University of New South Wales Law Advisory Committee, the Australian Climate Roundtable, and Energy Charter Independent Accountability Panel, and a member of Chief Executive Women. Cassandra has been recognised as a Financial Review 100 Women of Influence and one of the most influential people in the social economy. Cassandra is also one of Australia's top outstanding LGBTI executives. And there, of course, is so much more to this story. Cass, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Claire, for that very long intro. I'm really, really (laughs) delighted to be here with you Um, and, of course, you know, we'll probably end up talking about what's not in that bio um, more than anything, really. Oh, Mm. I've got no doubt. And it's so (laughs) incredible to connect with you because one of our previous guests, Brianna Casey, the wonderful CEO of Food Bank, described you as a social justice warrior who will stand up for what's right no matter what. So I can't wait to dive into this more. But let's start with what you most love about leading and what you find most challenging. Um. Look, it's always, for me, uh, the people that I get to spend time with. And there's such a great diversity of experience and social connections that you get to make when you're spending time trying to make a difference. Um, I'm surrounded by extraordinary people at ACOS. It's a really, it's a small team of only about 20 people, but wow, just every day I you know, think I'm struck by how committed they are and um, their own background story about what brought them to be involved in the work that we do there. And then, I mean, ACOS, as the peak body for the community sector, gets to spend time right across the diversity of um, sort of society in Australia, um, you know, great diversity in communities, across into the union movement, business, Um, And so there's a great sense of being connected and also, I guess, 
um, you get to be challenged a lot. <laughs> you have to constantly dig deep and rethink how you're going about having an impact and how you can make the most of the commitment and, you know, people that uh, are working together to try and achieve change. And I guess to be really um, sharp about how to, do, you know, how we can do things differently, but also to understand the power dynamics that are sometimes really significant that are forces against what you're trying to achieve. And of course, you know, touching on two, you know, the forces against what we all know we need to do on climate change and um, the fact that still as one of the wealthiest countries in the world, we've got far too many people that are going without food. Brianna talked about that, um, going without a secure place to live. And so um, every day I walk away thinking what an incredible uh, privilege it is really to be um, working alongside um, so many people, people directly affected most profoundly, I've got to say, Claire, that's the always. Um, the, where I get the most inspiration is, you know, from those um, people who are talking about what they're dealing with um, and the, the resilience of people on low incomes is, um, you know, like nothing else I've ever seen. <laughs> and when you're there, it's so hard, but actually you're also extraordinarily resourceful um and also that puts a fire in your belly because mm. um you know uh, you, you, sometimes these changes are very hard to achieve uh and you have to keep at it i mean that's what you know if you care that's what you'll do yeah it is a lot and you know you talk about it being a small team but your team and growing team act as a national advocate for action to reduce poverty and inequality. You know, you are that peak body for the community services sector in Australia. And so there would be many highs and I'm, I'm sure many more lows in the, in the day-to-day of that work. So, I mean, what do you do, just thinking about your team, what do you do to help their mindset and resilience and mental health? And... Um, Look, I think uh, we were fortunate to have an opportunity to reflect at the end of last year about what, where we'd been, where the country had been, where we'd been individually and as a team. Um, and there were a few things that really struck me about it. One was that there was such a strong sense of shared purpose, um, you know, those underlying values that really bind you together, um, that it, you know, in amongst the scrum sometimes, sometimes the chaos, frankly, of trying to work out how to get something done or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the unpredictable, the things that you don't see coming, um, that there was, again, just to know that how clear people were about why we were there and what we were trying to achieve. Um, there's no doubt people talked about um, the pressures that people feel that kind of carrying that responsibility in amongst you know many others working in you know to try and achieve change we're very conscious of where we fit in um you know what we're trying to achieve if we if we and we will um you get a more adequate income support system that will affect millions of people in any given year in a in a in a positive way so you feel that um how important it is to keep you know trying to achieve that outcome um 
And of course, um, people at ACOS are like everybody else in in an environment which has been uh, impacted by constant change. People have been separated from families, all of that about, you know, two to three years of pandemic. Um, the extreme weather events have affected people in our team and pe- so many people around us. And so coming out of that, what we also reflected on was how critical it was for us to keep creating a space for that reflection time to allow those emotional aspects of how we work to surface and to be not forced down too deep and um and actually clear to remember to have fun and I want to come back to that a bit actually because um it's certainly been something I've connected with a lot uh, about how important it is to find the light moments and to laugh um, and to dance. That's my version of it. It's not yeah. for everybody, but I, I'm always up for a good dance. I feel disappointed I've turned the video <laughs> off now for our recording. <laughs> um, you know, that's what I was doing on Saturday night. I went out with a friend and we danced for four hours. And um, it really, you know, that's my version of that, but also to create that space um, and to foster that amongst the team, how, how important that is. So um, it's, it's, um, it's also um, recognising and, you know, trying to create that culture of safety to talk about when we regret things we did or when we made mistakes and to, for that to be really okay um and i've also um keep reflecting on how do we as because we're like um the sector um very feminized you know it's um uh, overall the community sector is about 80 to 90 percent women um women identifying and um in my experience of that um often we focus on ourselves how we're not good enough we should have done more what could we have done differently to make things better um and if you're not careful with that that can turn into feeling quite oppressive and uh, it's a big it's a bit of a joke amongst the team we are not to begin meetings by apologizing (laughs) we nobody is to turn up saying sorry i wish i had or sorry i haven't managed to get this done um, we just try and strip that language out um, yes. because you just know everybody is doing their best plus. Um, and if something hasn't happened, it's because there was a very good reason and um, we can't do it all. And, yes. to, and, to, and to be light on ourselves about that. Um, so that's absolutely a work in progress. My team, if they listen to this, will, you know, I'm sure smile wryly. Because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we, that, that is a work in progress. But um, I think, I think um, being comfortable enough to not walk away feeling like you've achieved everything, to sometimes walk away feeling like you achieved nothing and it was okay <laughs> because yes. um, those days are going to come and they're going to go home. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I I've, I've, have seen some research um, around... If for those of us that identify as women, if we write five things on a to-do list but we get three of them done, mm-hmm. then we can, 
use language like, well, I might as well have not got anything done. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't do what I said I was going to do today. And what, I mean, what we know Mm -hmm. for sure is that the best work we'll do as leaders probably is not on our to-do list. It'll be the way that we respond to things or Mm -hmm. create that psychological safety for somebody else or, um, yes, circuit break for somebody else that could never have been on a to-do list anyway. So on those days, there are plenty of things. It's not, there's a good reason, as you said, why if something didn't get Mm -hmm. done, there's a good reason why it didn't get done. And I think it's really important for, for us to remember when we're logging off at the end of the day or at the end of the night or whatever that looks like for people in their roles that valuable things get done every single day yeah I mean it's um it's both the strength of one of our greatest challenges um in the environment that I spend time in that um our greatest workforce challenge is uh encouraging people to say no and to switch off um, yes. That's something, of course, to be greatly valued because that comes back to people having a strong sense of purpose and of really caring. Um, but it is also really important that we, myself included, get checked on when it's important to say, no, I can't yes. do that. Um, and, um, and when it's uh, okay to just not respond, not respond yes. to an email. Yeah, important lesson to learn. Easy to say, right? Harder to learn. But um, I just wanted to uh, just mention there, Cass, on some of your language around that switching off and mm. we, from the work that we've done, mm. uh, and I've chatted about this before, but we, for many of the leaders and the teams that we work with, like switching off just is not even, it's almost like switching off is not an option. And, and that's not to say yeah. that having a break isn't an option, but it's almost just that that mental reframing of the idea of switching off. We really recommend for people that are working in for purpose roles that they're very passionate about is not trying to set switching off as a goal because it can be unrealistic, but actually the idea of switching to recharge instead. So you're not switching off, you're switching to recharge, which I think is a really good reminder for people that a part of that means that when they come back, they're going to come back with a full battery or a fuller battery or with more energy or something different. And it's just putting the the work, the important, incredible work on hold rather than um, trying to completely disconnect from it. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I was very lucky. I'm so fortunate. I got accepted into, it's called the Social Impact Leadership Program, which was funded by a group of philanthropists. And I was in the first group to do this 12-month program and one part of it was a a three-month sabbatical and I was so struck by how many people asked me what was I going to do and implicit in that was what was I going to achieve with that Mm. three-month period. So I was really pleased when they came back very clearly saying the whole purpose of that three months was to disconnect. Yes. Um, and uh, it's good, Claire, I like you sort of checking the language there a bit. Um, it's very useful because, you're quite, of course, you're quite right. It's not that you you are changing to do nothing, but you are. It's, it's about how you then spend your time in ways that are very different. And for me, that period was so crucial in um, restoring, in reconnecting with aspects of myself from genuine free-flowing reflection 
which of course has evolved into some new thinking for me as I came back to the role at ACOS. But I was very struck by how valuable it was and it's made me recommit to how we can support, you know, the team to have longer breaks, recognising the intensity of the working life that we have. As you say, it is just not realistic to sort of have this sort of notion of the nine to five, even when actually that's formally when you're working. The way we are, the way we process things is that is often carried on well and truly outside of the sort of paid work hours that people are processing uh, what, yes. they're, what they're doing and, you know, um, trying to navigate the next phase. So just some bringing some realism to that and then how to create different uh, opportunities for people to have disconnect more. You know, the notion that somehow a week's leave was two weeks was a, you know, long chunk. It's just not... <laughs> It's, it's not real world, actually, in terms of what it takes um, when you've been working in very intense environments for a long time. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, I find it really interesting. Um, Cass, I'm interested in you. While we're talking about, I guess, you taking time, uh, you've been doing this work for many years and, as we've mentioned, at major national and international levels as well as grassroots levels. And, I mean, that must all take a lot of energy, right? Unwavering amounts of energy, I'm sure. So like what are your non-negotiables to maintain and fuel your own mindset and energy to keep going? Well, part of it is uh, not putting in too many hard and fast rules, probably even that language, Claire, of the not negotiable I've learned over the years. You've just got to keep reflecting and readjusting and listening to yourself if you know to create that space um, and I do in different ways um, you know sort of talked about the dancing and as you're doing that you are reconnecting with the side of yourself which is about how healthy am I at the moment how tired am I at the moment um, which you know you need to listen to um, and also uh there's a few things for me. One is um, I do make sure I stay connected to people who what I, I call them my critical friends. <laughs> they are the people who they've got my back, but they will <laughs> certainly tell me if they see that I'm wandering off in directions that are not useful either for what I'm trying, you know, a part of trying to achieve or, or myself personally. Um, so they're my version of sort of mentors that um, I certainly have informally in a lot of different ways. There's quite a large group of people, not often that obvious actually, but I do have that. Um, it's, it's more than support. It's not that. It's, it's wisdom. Um, so I have that kind of sounding around me to give me that feedback loop personally. That's been extremely valuable for me and very nurturing yeah, it's very it's important like all people uh, we do need to feel uh, the, the the nurturing aspect of um, what, you know care um, it doesn't help anybody else to try and present yourself as bulletproof because actually we are in our 
you know, daily lives in terms of policy, we're always talking about people's vulnerabilities and that, you know, hard things can happen to people when you don't see it coming. That is the nature of society and, of you know, that's why we have community services, that's why we have social policy and the hard things happen to all of us at different times and so there's that side to it too. And the other big development in my life personally is, my mum passed away during my sabbatical period. I can't, she'd had long-standing dementia and lived in Perth and I was in mm. Sydney. And, of course, that meant during the lockdown COVID period there was a lot of separation um, and I would often talk to her in my own mind and heart saying, just hang on, mum, which is probably, you know, that was more for me than maybe for her, but she did. And so I got to spend quite a lot of time with her in her final you know, days and then um, to be really a part of her funeral. And, of course, um, I, had, I got to reflect on the wisdom that she'd passed on to me and it was really profound when I took that time to realise how much, of course, she had been an influence on um, me being able to enjoy life in the context of w- what we do. And it was, I mean, she just, um, she gave me that basic understanding that life's really unpredictable. Um, her way of saying was, darling, you never know what's around the corner. She would often say that to me. And I've just, often in those difficult moments, whether it's something that doesn't go well in the day job, whether it's something that doesn't go well in the personal life, that version of just, you know, watch out. If you, you know, it, the next good bit will come. There'll be, there'll be a good bit coming. And always that is true, of course, if you, you know, move from that, those hard moments. And, and the other part of it, which came from both of them really, but mum had her own very difficult um, she was not able to have her own children um, and so that was quite difficult for her and so we were adopted. And um, But out of that she really had a strong sense of the joy of life, of the, almost the responsibility to make the most of the gift of life. And, um, and so that's where her sense of fun came from, her sense of dancing came from, her sense of playing came from. And also that sense of um, the responsibility to make things work. And so that kind of also got instilled into me. For me, it was that she'd say, go off to a birthday party, darling, you've got to make sure everybody has a good time. Now, (laughs) I'm not sure whether that was quite the right way to put it all the time. You know, one one poor kid (laughs) had to go and make everybody have a great time. But what came through in the end for me was uh, not everything is up to you, but, of course, um, you have an enormous, whilst you are, you know, able to be on the planet and to be a part of, you know, spending time with others and caring, um, there's an enormous, um, you know, opportunity and privilege that comes from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much, Kaz, for sharing such um 
you know, personal insights there around from that time, but particularly from your mum's strength Mm. and love for fun Mm. and play, you can see that in the way that you talk and the way that you communicate. Even earlier in the conversation when you talked about challenges, you said it with a laugh. There was this lightness (laughs) around that that you obviously bring to this to the sector and to these conversations as well. So I'm, I'm, it really kind of leads me this this strong yet playful um, and fun kind of mindset that it sounds like you bring into things. I'm really curious. At top five, we talk about well, we actually don't talk about positive and, and negative thinking because it's a bit too black and white and it can be disengaging either way. But we love to support leaders to and their teams to fuel what we call HEP mindset, so helpful, encouraging, and productive mindsets. So it sounds like you would be adding in fun in there without a doubt. So I'm just wondering, like, when people are facing into tough work where the opportunities and needs are never-ending and, you know, perhaps the resources are tight, what things do you think it's important for them to remember to keep that element of lightness and fun and, I guess, empowerment? In the mix as well. Yeah, um, okay, it's um, lovely feedback, actually. Um, you know, I've, I've been told at other times that I'm too serious, so so it's nice to know that there's a bit of both in there, because the the serious side I think came from probably um, also from my father, because he was a Second World War veteran, and I was very exposed, as I've shared a few times over the years now, to the you know, horrors of the Holocaust and uh, what what human beings are capable of doing to each other. And so sometimes I do feel very, you know, I got connected with very serious side of, in the end, what it means can mean in terms of human rights abuses if nobody does anything um, to stand up to abuse and to, uh, you know, the sort of um, what, what, other human beings are capable of doing given a certain set of circumstances and so um definitely for me um the we can sometimes i think become uh very fixated on achieving the change a particular program gets funded we get an increase to job seeker uh, that we get the outcome we're very uh, involved these days, of course, in impact assessment or outcome-based assessment and funding. And so we're all being asked very much to focus on the change we're here to make. And of course, it matters. But it was a reflection through the SILA program where I uh, we were all invited to come answer that question you just put to me. And in the end, it came down to something very simple, that it feels better to care than to not care. That it's as simple as that, you know. And 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 having gone through difficult times, knowing many other people have gone through difficult times, sometimes you can't change the situation in that moment, but you can really show the other person or people that you care, and that that makes us deeply human. And then so there's a there's a lightness that comes to that too, because actually that really connects us as human beings to each other. And then through that, we can also, in that moment, take the chance to have a laugh, to see the lightness, you know, in even in the most difficult of circumstances. Um, just being through the loss of my mum, and I've also been supporting other friends um, who've 
been going through that kind of really, you know, grief is a really big thing, of course. And even then, you know, they have the lightness of the laugh and the jokes that happen. Um, And so it is both, isn't it, that come sometimes in the really hardest circumstances. Uh, It brings out the very best in us as human beings and also shows us just the richness of living. Yeah, 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 it sure does. Mm. It really, it sure does. Oh, I feel like I could uh, hear your stories and wisdom all day, Cass, but I'm afraid we're going to have to let you go. So I would love, though, to ask you, before we go, we're having this conversation because one of your peers, Brianna Casey, who highlighted you as absolutely a generous leader to watch, um, shared your name to this question. Um, our work is all about supporting generous leaders, Cass, to have a bigger impact. And of course, you're a generous leader. You've been recognised as a generous leader by many. Um, but when you think of generous leaders, who springs to mind? Um, one of the people who's been very beautiful along my journey um, is a woman called Arlene Baldry, who uh, is a professor at UNSW. And um, she's got one of those very, you call it the big job. Uh, And I recently, again, spent time with her and heard how many people behind the scenes who basically their careers, their personal stories, many people coming from, you know, for example, low-income backgrounds and, you know, she's just, she's the real deal. She just... Um, and to this day, you know, she's been a huge champion of the the work that we've done with UNSW, but also at that very personal level. And so I have so much respect for her. She's not ego-driven um, in any shape or form, but she's very determined about, um, you know, being being a force for, for better. And I love her a lot for that. And um, I've also um, had many... Uh, people um, who would not be such sort of, um, you know, like Eileen has been recognised in the Australian Honours List, for example. There are many other people who have not been and possibly never will be, but they're the people are very very much in low incomes who are often in regular contact with me and who are leaders in their own way because they keep doing that support for each other Um, they're in regular contact with me behind the scenes and um, they're extraordinary leaders oh my gosh thank you for sharing that Cass and these people I'm sure they'll know who they are Um, and I'm sure they don't fully understand or may never fully understand the impact that they have on you but I'm sure they'll know who they are um, based on your insights just there hey We're going to wrap it up there, but thank you so much for your time, taking time out of your incredibly full life um, to chat with us and share some insights and do what we call slowing down to go faster. You've been such great company and I can't wait to share this episode. Oh, you too, Claire. Thank you so much for including me. I love chatting with Cass today. What a calm and refreshing force she is. And 
we chatted about this, but the lightness that she brings uh, actually brings such power to the work that she does. I really loved some of the mindset shifts that she chatted about that help her restore her energy, recharge, help her and her team give each other permission and create far more psychologically safe play, um, spaces for them to not only operate in but have an incredible impact in we're going to be exploring some of these mindset shifts and others in a workshop that we have coming up for leaders. And if you want to check out what we do and how we bring neuroscience to life to create sustainable behavior change in workplaces, then I think you'd really like it. So head on over to top5movement.com forward slash leaders hyphen workshop. We'll drop the link, of course, in the show notes too, but we'd love to see you there. Otherwise, have a terrific day and enjoy taking Cass's wisdom and tips into your leadership uh, and impact today. Thanks for joining us. As we wrap, if you're ready for a refreshing take on mindset, resilience and leadership training, then sign on up to our newsletter over at top5movement.com forward slash tools. When you join us, you'll get access to our free resources, episode summaries, and exclusive events where we bring generous leaders together. We'll share the links in the show notes. Hey, I'd also like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation from the country where this podcast is produced and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Thanks again for listening to the Leading Generous Teams podcast. We've loved having you here. Have a cracking day.